Hi there, I'm Clarence Waldron. Welcome back to Black Muse. Tonight's guest is the best-selling author, Kalisha Buchanan. Her latest novel is Running to Fall. Her very first novel, Upstate, won the Terry McMillan Young Authors Award. It shook the world. And since then, her books have appeared in Entertainment Weekly, Time Magazine, Essence, O Magazine, and all that. So let's get to know her. Kalisha, what's happening? How are you? I'm good. Good, good. Glad that you made <laughs> it down here. Happy to be here with you. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's start with the very beginning. Let's start with this great book, which I did read myself. Ah. I did, I did. <laughs> Running to Fall. Running to Fall. What's it about? Running to Fall is really kind of my effort to shine a light on a variety of issues with black women. Um, including the number of missing black women, uh, which my last book, Speaking of Summer, did touch on, but the protagonist didn't really get, there, there was something else going on there. So with Running to Fall, I wanted to make sure that it was very apparent that there was a missing black woman and how that affects this primarily white community where she's found and the only well, one of the only black couples in the entire community is at the center of that whole storm in a variety of ways. Uh, but it's also about, you know, the efforts of the black upper classes to kind of make it and strive and, you know, for some, overcome various difficult backgrounds to get where they are and for others who might seem preordained to success, to find out that, you know, the racism and struggles and challenges never end, no matter how, you know, high we go. And so there is, um, you know, various issues that come along with that, marital problems, some alcoholism, <laughs> mm. needs for, you know, therapy, uh, and, and just a variety of ways that black people are affected, but, you know, primarily black women. Okay, so now the title, Running to Fall, mm -hmm. what does that mean? Well, my last book was Speaking of Summer, and so I was, you know, really kind of in this, uh, you know, seasonal title mode. My, my next book goes there, too. And oh. so, uh, yeah, it, it, it was that. But in terms of what it means in the novel is, you know, how these various sectors of black America that I present um, are running towards the American dream that mm -hmm. others uh, actually fight to get here for. As, as you know, we were forced immigrants um, who have still been thwarted in many ways to that American dream. And, you know, we're running towards that. And some people do experience a fall in that process, um, just the stress and the challenges and the struggles of that. Um, but we're trying. Okay, okay. <laughs> we try, okay. no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Now, you pay close attention to details. Everything seems to matter, even the names of the characters, hope and tragedy. 
Why are details so important when you're writing about crime? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know, being conscious of the audience, which doesn't necessarily come naturally to me when I'm writing. It's always been such a interior process, but you know, definitely throughout editing and uh, rereading and revising and being conscious of the audience, the you know mystery suspense genre is dependent on clues. <laughs> it's dependent mm -hmm. on you know, as opposed to this kind of more you know cerebral introspection or featuring the relationships of characters that you might find in you know other genres the mystery suspense genre has an expectation that audiences are going to be trying to piece together their version of events and as the you know author you want to try to help them along but stay ahead of them as well which is the fun part you know in the writing is is just trying to give enough but not give it away and to always kind of stay you know a few steps ahead of the reader when you know what's coming mm. and they don't okay now how long did it take you to write this is a pandemic novel. Oh, oh. Okay. 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 So. A lot of distractions okay. were removed. Um, you know, I, I had started it, you know, I'm always writing. I'm always writing things. I'm always, things are always in motion, always in progress. And it just becomes sometimes a matter of a spark that gives one particular thing some propulsion that the others don't have. And so, you know, during that period of time where, you know, as you know, we were all kind of separated and confined, which for me as a writer wasn't exactly a foreign thing. I know there was a lot of tragedy that came along with that, but actually it was my ideal kind of circumstance. So uh, yeah, I started it during the pandemic and finished it uh, in the pandemic. So about, um, let's say less than a year to get it to the initial version. And then of course after that, you know, there's editing and, and all of that. But um, yeah, there are actually threads of the book and passages of the book that had been written years before mm. um, with certain characters, in, in particular Hope, the uh, earlier version of tragedy. Um, because I was, you know, invested in writing about these girls and what they experience, um, but didn't quite have a way to make it, you know, to a firework really for her. And um, also not wanting to kind of dwell in that, in the mis unfortunate backstory, but wanting to bring somebody up above that. And so, yeah, so, you know, I, you know, I don't know when the earliest passages were written, but in terms of my intentional, okay, I know this, where this is going, and I know it's going to happen, and what this is now, about a year. About a year, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Okay, well, what do you want us to take away from the book? Mm -hmm. You know, after we read it, how, how do you want us to feel or to think or, mm -hmm. yeah. You know, <laughs> I had actually written the ending as what I thought was going to be the beginning. Mm. Yeah, mm. it actually started off at the beginning and then it didn't, you know, it wasn't. Um, I kept realizing 
I need to go back, you know. And so just the accountability, you know, of the characters, the acceptance mm -hmm. of their flaws and who they are and, you know, where they come from and how they got to where they are is, you know, something that I think we all can learn from and something that was very important to me, you know, when I was writing, writing the characters. Um, but definitely I, I, an appreciation for the experiences of black African-American trailblazers. You know, the people who kind of go into these uncharted territories where in a lot of ways the setting Grace and Glenn's, you know, is this, you know, analogy for many things. It's an analogy for, you know, the black people who came from the south to the north. Now they are in the, the, the characters are in the north already, but you know, the community is, yeah. Yeah, 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 but. <laughs> it's, it's pretty much what mm -hmm. our ancestors met mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. their journeys. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but, but it's, it's not just locational, um, it's institutional, um, it's social, um, definitely educational. You know, we have just seen our Supreme Court, um, you know, determined that affirmative action for whatever reason is unfair. <laughs> mm, don't get me started about that. Don't, don't, don't. Continue, continue okay. on. Yeah, oh. yeah. Um, and so, you know, we are still in that place where we, we are. are very presence and are very, uh, you know, um, desire to integrate with America, not because we, you know, want to be white or we idolize white America, but because this is our country mm -hmm. for the taking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is our homeland, you know, as well, um, is definitely something that the setting uh, shows. And um, the way that the couple has their various approaches to dealing with that environment, one who, the man who is kind of destined and doesn't really know anything so else. So that's Victor. Victor, okay. mm -hmm, the husband. And then Tragedy, who never even knew that there was a place for her, you know, beyond the struggles that she survived. And so, yeah, that's, that's a huge uh, part of the book. And also, you know, I think there's a problem in the publishing industry with favoring and privileging um, black characters in particular who uh, come from various troubled sectors, what we call oppression narratives, you know. And it's definitely inspirational. I've written them, you know, I have my own uh, story like that. But at the same time, it's an unfair representation of all the various worlds that black people have built for ourselves in America that we come from, um, that I, I think that, you know, there's a, still a fear of educated black people, mm. wealthy mm. black people, mm. um, successful and whole and healthy black people who are living well. Um, we are still in a, a point where just the representation of that is a challenge you know, and a threat. Um, because, you know, if, if you see the Huxtables, what's next? If you see the Obamas, 
where are they? You know, um, and and you know that's basically a, a huge part of the, you know, the story, the setting right. for me. Right. Right. Okay. Now, since then, of course, you recently were in New York. Mm -hmm. You were on a panel with the Walter Mosley. Yeah. Now that had to be exciting. It was. Yeah. You know, I remember I had. Um, my first agent was like, well, what do you see your career looking like now? Walter is a force of nature, you know, so that's, and I was like, I want to be Walter Mosley. <laughs> I literally wanted to be that writer who just magically, whatever is going on inside of him presents these books with such frequency and such variety and such breadth you know, of uh, the, the genres that he has covered and proven himself to be quite fluent in. And so I was very fortunate. You mentioned the first novel. Walter was an early fan and an early supporter. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, he really, uh, for whatever reason, it, it, this upstate book just came out of nowhere. And, um, you know, it was really, really like to see somebody like him actually, you know, know me and know my work. Uh, it was really amazing. So it was just wonderful to, he's so eloquent, you know, um, and so benevolent with his mind. And to actually be able to be in a, a situation where to, to be looked at as, you know, not necessarily a peer, but someone who is on that level of being able to also influence audiences and stuff. It, it's just really amazing. And so, yeah, he definitely, I have so many of his books, but I was certain to get um, a signature, okay. an auto, another autograph okay. Okay. <laughs> from okay. great Walter Mosley. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just, just very like approachable and, and humble and giving and tireless person, he actually um, helped found, co-found a group called Crime Writers of Color that, oh. um, yeah, that I definitely uh, am a part of and, and support and, and follow the authors and they follow me. Yeah, so he, one thing I love about Walter is, as we were talking with the book, despite his success, he does not forget where he has come from. All right. And all he right. is not shy at all about making it clear um, his allegiances to the black community and um, black writers, black people, and the, the struggle against racism. And so that alone, just to have, is comforting, you know, to see that this is still prized and valued, like a you know, modern day Baldwin, although they write mm. different things, mm. but that we still respect those voices and prize those voices and mm. you know I hope to be you know one of them while making it clear we we are so much more than how we have handled racism and oppression which is you know where running to fall does touch on you know we we are so much more than that our stories and who we are our humanity stretches so far beyond that so it's exciting that he has worked in the crime and mystery genre, you know, which is a, a, a just a classic form, you know, for writers. Um, and so that's, that's also fun for me to work in, too, as well. Cool, cool. <laughs> now, let's go back to your first novel. I think that I misspoke. It's, it was called Upstate. Yeah, right? you said that. Oh, I did, I did, I did yeah. say it? Okay. I did not, okay. Describe the storyline. 
Yeah, so Upstate um, tells the story of a couple, Antonio and Natasha, who are separated when Antonio is uh, accused of a crime, sent off to jail. The title upstate, you know, is where the prisons are concentrated in the state of New York, where I was living when the novel kind of came to life. Um, and, you know, that I was in Harlem, on living on the block, so to speak, Harlem was not the Harlem today. Um, and so I, you know, definitely had a lot of brothers who looked out for me, people, um, you know, our communities, and they knew I wasn't from there. And so in making friends with all these people, I, you know, would hear a lot of them saying, oh, so-and-so is upstate, or, you know, they just came back from upstate. And, you know, I was thinking vacation, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was, okay. My little, you know, because in Illinois, it's downstate. Well, you know, as right. an East Coast, yeah, you already know. Right. But I didn't know, right. and so <laughs> I was just like, oh, okay. And I don't remember how it came that I finally caught on to what they were really referring Same. to, <laughs> you know, because I, I didn't have the biases and the, the, you know, stereotypes against my own people that other people, I mean, I'm thinking these people are going to the Catskills right. and, and all that, right. and, you know, so yeah, so that's where the title came from, was me just investigating and learning, wait, there's this swath of a whole state where it's just prisons, which for us in Illinois is downstate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, also reading a statistic which has since been um, debunked as not totally accurate, that mm. there were more black men in prison ages 18 to 24 than college. Um, it definitely is still an overwhelming number, but I forgot what was actually corrected about that. Um, but still, I mean, and so there was a lot of anger, you know, in finding that out and in learning that and in reflecting on my own experiences of going to school and noticing how the, the black men were the total minority percentage wise, you know, beneath black women. And so knowing that experience and what that was, and yeah, I just kind of wrote the book. It's letters, they're letters for 10 years, hmm. showing the bond um, that black men and women do have, and the tragic kind of effects, the ripple effect of the incarceration system on communities, the women, the children, um, you know, the educators, uh, the people who work, in incarcerating their own people because they need a job, um, and you know all these various ripple effects. You know, trying to strive with so much of our community shut away for petty reasons, um, stricter reasons than other people, and so it was. You know, my kind of testimony in a lot of ways. Um, and above all, I, I considered it a love story, you know. Is it a love story? Yeah, yeah. I definitely yeah. considered it about love and, um, you know, a, a love that, uh, you know, I, I was proud to kind of show between a particularly young black man who at the time that I wrote the novel, we were in that period where, you know, there was the, the hood literature, um, the urban fiction, um, super popular, but featuring a lot of abusive male, you know, black men 
or um, the films, you know, beautiful films. Our great filmmakers such as, you know, John Singleton and F. Gary Gray, you know, their stories were valid, but left out, I think, a softer part of black men that, you know, I was happy to kind of be able to portray. Yeah, yeah. Now that also won you the Terry McMillan Young Writers Award. Mm -hmm. What was that about? How yeah, you that know, had to be exciting as well. It, it was, and basically there was um, a woman named Terry Williams. You know Terry. I, I know yes, Terry. yeah, everybody knows Terry. Absolutely. <laughs> and Terry, I had interviewed her when I was freelancing and struggling in New York. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, she always loved the interview I did on her because I, I knew that she was a big publicist, but, you know, <laughs> I uh, just approached her as a woman that I just looked up to for doing what she was doing and surviving what she has written at, at length about surviving. And um, she just, she called me after that interview and said, you know, it's very rare that people get you. And you did, and thank you. And after that, when I moved to New York, she would just invite me to stuff mm. and parties at her house with Johnny Cochran and you know, the Will Smiths and all them there and stuff like that. And um, she actually was really great friends with Terry, who was looking for a way, who was another one who always reaches back to inspire mm. the young people. Okay. Yeah, okay. It's, okay. it's they actually together sponsor a lot of young, black people, um, which is something that she doesn't really toot her horn about, but it's going on. And she's just like, I just want to give an author an award. I, I just mm. want a, a, a young author and somebody, and, and Terry was like, you, you've got to meet Kalisha. Mm. You know, you've got to read this book. Mm. And uh, she gave it to her. And um, I mean, it was just to, like I said, I mean, when you have these people that you have aspired to be like, you know, all of a sudden telling you that <laughs> you're great yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah. loving your work and, and you're like, what? Right, you right. know, it didn't really sink in until many, many years like later that someone like that who is a, a consummate storyteller um, on Walter's level in terms of product, not, you know, the number of books, but in terms of being as prolific as she is um, and loved as she is and capturing black women. So yeah, it was really great. I, I got to go to a conference and, and get an award and meet her and she supported my later books as well um, and, and is still writing. You know, she remains somebody who's still Publishing. Still there, still in the game. So yes. still in the game. Still, still, the game. still somebody to look up yeah, to. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So now you also you're richly educated. You have a degree in <laughs> English from the University of Chicago, <laughs> masters as well. Then yeah. you went to up there in New York with the New York the New School. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. All that education. How has that helped you even today? You know, I tell everybody all the time, I speak with young people a lot. Um, I mean, education really was the key to my world. Mm. Um, to to go, come to a city like Chicago and go to an institution like the University of Chicago and to meet the people that I was able to meet, um, to be in the a, a place where who I was was respected and pushed and appreciated and desired, you know, um, it, it just was just absolutely incredible. I mean, 
to have had a dean like Michelle Obama, who was there at the time working at the Community Affairs Office and started the first Community Affairs Office. They had never had that there. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, and mm. to have writers like Toni Morrison regularly speak and even teach, you know, while I was there. I didn't get in her class, it was just for grad students, but still, she's, she was on the campus. Right. <laughs> in, you know, she in your was, world. Yeah, yeah, she was in yeah. my world. And yeah. to yeah. have a place that actually would give students money to um, bring, put on events. And so that's how the black students, we were able to invite Sonia Sanchez, Gwendolyn Brooks, mm. um, Nikki Giovanni, John Edgar Wideman, you know, Derek Walcott. I mean, it, it just was absolutely incredible because it's it's like, you know, these were people that, the, the, that was, it's my version of Hollywood. Okay. You know, okay. it's like yeah, some, yeah. somebody going to Hollywood and auditioning <laughs> and finding themselves on set with Denzel and Angela Bassett. Yes, yes, <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. like, wait a minute, these people <laughs> are real. They're real. They, they you know, they are not just something in books. They are actually real people, and I can be one of them. And so that just opened my eyes. And then going to the new school, which had um, made it a point to, I mean, New York is the headquarters. Capital of everything. Yeah, it's yep. the headquarters yeah, yeah. for writers. And so, you know, to have uh, people like Sapphire and Hilton Owls and Ed Weech Donticott, professional, actual real writers who are your teacher. Yeah, it's like, you know, that was just incredibly amazing. And so, yeah, I, I credit that education to my career, both with giving me a background in great literature to set a bar of what I should aim for, and also to put me, to, to acclimate me to the world of people so that when I finally, you know, got there myself, I wasn't intimidated, you know. I didn't necessarily suffer from um, imposter syndrome, you know, um, and I, I actually felt comfortable and had been acknowledged and appreciated and respected and above all, it was just a lot of fun. Mm. I met, you know, my lifelong friends. Education brought me to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you interviewed me to get into a place like Columbia University, which was, that was the, the dream actually, was to go to New York first, but for a variety of reasons, I decided to stay close to home. Um, mm. But, you know, so that education opened up this, this world of people to me that, you know, to have, have been lifelong family, lifelong friends, um, allies and supporters in, um, you know, a, kind of a narrow experience. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, people always want to ask, ask, how do you publish a book? What mm -hmm. do you do? T talk about just what mm -hmm. you should do if you want to write a book. What mm -hmm. should you be doing? Well, you know, if you aren't reading and writing <laughs> all the time, mm -hmm. it's going to be very hard for you. Yeah. Um, How so? Why is that? Well, it's it's musician. I mean, you know, we, we LeBron James didn't get to be LeBron by sitting on the couch watching the NBA. Okay. He was 
with that ball outside, you know, um, and it's it's no different. It we believe the tools of writing are super simple. Pencil and paper is all you need, and I think that's very deceptive, you know. And now a computer, it's very deceptive to think that this is an accessible um, achievement. Um, however, no matter how humble the tools, the actual undertaking. Um, is extraordinarily difficult and it's a commitment. Um, it requires a level of isolation that as we saw in the pandemic, not everybody is suited for and people can get very disturbed and um, unsettled and destabilized by. So, um, you know, staying healthy in a variety of ways is, is very important. There's this myth that writers, you know, the romanticism that, you know, we're alcoholics and, you know, smokers <laughs> and drugs, you know, <laughs> roaring, you know, the uh, Hemingway right. with the cigarette, right? It, it's like, okay, yeah, we, you know, we know that Maya said she took a bottle of, I think, rum um, and her typewriter and pencil paper to a hotel, but we know that that wasn't Maya's <laughs> every right. day, right. you right. know? Right. And right. so, yeah, you know, your health, is super important um, but it you know it depends if, if for you it's just about getting a book out in the world that you can show people that is extraordinarily accessible these days with the variety of, of, of tools there are and um, many of our great writers people like you know Donald Goyne started off like self-published and and you know but if you are looking to be in a world where you do get the press, and that is going to lead to teaching opportunities, speaking opportunities, um, panel opportunities, and things like that. You have to have an agent. You know, you have to work hard to finish a manuscript um, and do your work to track down a team of people that believe in you. It's no different mm. from. Mm. You know, Hollywood, like I said, I, I bring up the sports world. A lot of people don't understand these athletes are educated. <laughs> they They're, got where they are by school, yeah. by putting themselves in a pipeline of people that knew how to navigate the intricacies and milestones to get to the highest points um, that you're not necessarily going to be able to reach on the, the playground or just being the best. And so, you know, that's more what I was interested in. I was interested in, I wanted, you know, to see my book at the airport and Barnes mm. and Noble and, mm. you know, the libraries. And so, yeah, you, you definitely have to get an agent and you definitely have to read, hone your craft. Um, it is a job. I have periods where I write every day and then I have periods where I don't. Um, but it has to be approached like a job, you know, and that's I think is the hardest conversion for a lot of writers is to, you know, and discipline. Mm. It's very, very difficult to sit, as you know, alone know. with your own thoughts. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. to be able to control those thoughts and to work with those thoughts and to form those thoughts into something that is accessible to a variety of people and not just yourself um, and meaningful and important. And so, um, yeah, I, I think more so than what I see a lot of young writers do or older, it doesn't matter, 
um, is thinking that you know putting themselves in conferences and and write around writers is going to do the trick. You, you'd be better off staying away from people and finishing your own work mm. than um, running around in writing communities and going to readings and and you know asking writers to for help or to get an agent. You have to finish your own work. Nobody is going to do that part for you. And after that, once you've done that, it, it's having a deep, undying fire and belief in yourself um, that I still, you know, have to have that you can finish and continue because the hurdles don't stop. You know, they they continue in these, you know, professions. You know, you're only as good as, as your last book, mm. your last part, your last championship, you know, and it only takes a couple of stumbles to kind of lose that bearing. And so, you know, once you do have the team and the people you, you, surrounding yourself with people who are like you and doing what you do is... Uh, extraordinarily important to stay moving. Profound words of wisdom. Yeah. I've never quite heard it like that, but you told the truth. Here it is. Yeah, yeah it's the truth. Yeah. I just, you know, wow. you can, yeah, I mean, you can um, give people false hopes, but it there's nothing, your work is all that really matters, and your belief in your work and your refusal to quit and your refusal to stop and you know, you will get, re I still get rejected. Many writers still get, re Walter famously wrote about um, being uh, disciplined on his own TV show. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's mm. Walter Mosley working in a writer's room and you know, finding out that how he's expressing himself or speaking of his characters is, is wrong. And so, yeah, that, that th thick skin, tough skin um, is, is very, very, very important. Health, faith in yourself, and, you know, appreciation as well. You know, I've stayed very loyal. I, I believe in, in long-term relationships. You know, I believe in, you know, gratitude to the people that have been a part of my life and my journey. And, um, you know, always paying homage to those people and respecting, you know, what I'm given is also, you know, a, a, a huge part of it. It's helped me to, in the, in the dark times or the low times, to kind of keep going. Cool. Now, you're from a little town downstate. Yeah. <laughs> What's it called again? Kankakee. Okay. <laughs> I've never heard of that before, before I met you. So what, is that yeah, a, a yeah. small little town? Mm -hmm. Is it a suburb? What, what is it? It's, it's, <laughs> it's not a part of Cook County. Um, oh, okay. it's, it's actually two counties down, um, even though it's only like an hour away. Mm. And yeah, it, it you know, is, is worlds away. And, and, you know, I have to say that it, it was, it's, it's a bittersweet um, experience because on the one hand, have being born in a small place with a low population and, and very insulated despite such proximity to the city um, gave me the opportunity to know both sides of my family and to have both sides of my family. I mean, I, I the, literally I could walk or bike to relatives in 
either direction, northwest, east, or south, just start walking and start riding. Okay. And I was at somebody's, somebody's house. house. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is, a, mm, I really, mm. once I moved to the cities and realized that there are kids who, it takes them an hour and a half to take the train to school or, you know, people, you know, to see their families need a two-hour bus. You know, I, I really appreciated um, how, it, I didn't appreciate what a rare, opportunity that I had to stay surrounded by so many family, um, you know, and to have these grandparents and these great grandparents who were still alive and, and healthy and with their wits that I could just go talk to and soak up everything they had to say. Like, like I was just like a sponge, you know, listening to their stories and hearing um, their views and, um, you know, being very encouraged and protected by them. But, you know, there, there is an element of, of what I think um, has not been so eloquently put as Barack Obama in his uh, legendary 2004 Democratic National Convention speech where he first kind of came to national prominence where he said there's a cult of anti-intellectualism plaguing mm. many communities. And that was the flip side of the coin. Um, where because it was not, at least the side of the tracks that I was on, necessarily an environment where education was the norm. Um, you know, there were a lot of challenges and, 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 and struggles with me just being who I was naturally. And so, you know, you have a situation where you can achieve with a ball, you know, you can get on a stage and, and look like one of Michael Jackson's backup dancers, <laughs> you can sing like Aretha, you know, and that's all prize. But when you exhibit certain uh, talents and proclivities um, in other arenas, the arts, um, intellectualism, there is the, you know, accusation that we, you know, of acting white. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Wanting to be white, mm. um, you know, thinking you're better than everybody else. Right, right. And then at that point, you know, the, the, there is a part of that community that, you know, feels like it's their role to um, keep you in your place. And so, you know, I, I went through a lot of suffering. You know, that's why it's very important for me to talk to young people today you know, um, and, and let them know that who they are and, and, and going after, you know, what they believe in does, does not make them anything but who they are and what they believe in. Absolutely. That it's Absolutely. not, you know, acting white or, or something to suppress, um, which once again, I was fortunate to have so many older generations who their goal in coming to the North was to produce people and, and, and like me, to have a lineage, you know, and I was very fortunate that so many of them who are, you know, passed on now were able to, you know, see me and, and I always came back and I always, you know, was there, my little certificates, okay, um, okay. driving my little car, my book, you know, I did it, I did it, grandma, I right. did it. And, mm. um, you know, and just to have lived or for them to have lived long enough for me to see 
just the pride in their eyes and, and the joy and the, the security and the stability that that gave them in terms of their life's purpose. Um, it's just something that I cherish, you know, despite the challenges of, of being that rare um, African-American achiever in education. Um, who, you know, unfortunately we still have sectors of our community and, and whole parts of the black community where this is almost, you know, beaten out of people, or not physically, but uh, mentally and psychologically. And so, yeah, so, so there was, you know, a, a, a lot of, you know, struggles, but, you know, there were the salt of the earth people that kept me going and, mm. um, you know, protected me and, and let me know, th this is okay, you know, I'm okay. Right. Forget the naysayers, okay. keep doing me. And, uh, you know, it, it all worked out and it's something that can never be taken away from me. And, and I, you know, that value having all that family and all those people and God-fearing people and, um, you know, uh, you know, protective people who just, um, you know, weren't going to let a hair mm. get hurt on my head. I wasn't, wasn't going to have a hungry day or night, um, you okay. know, that that was never going to happen to me. And it, it gave me the confidence and the fortitude to, or the, the fortification to be out in a world where it never ends, <laughs> you know, the naysayers for us well, never always, ends. Always, always there, <laughs> you always know? there, and, always. And always, always, mm -hmm. and so, mm -hmm. you know, that strength and that, that fortification was more valuable than I, I realized that it, at the time, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now, th this is the uh, Black Muse video podcast. Is there anyone in particular mm -hmm. that inspired you? I know your family, your grandmothers and all. Anyone mm -hmm. in particular that really stands out as someone who really said things to me that I needed to hear and really mm -hmm. encouraged me? Can you think of anything? Wow, you know, Clarence, it's been so many. Okay. Um, it, 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 I mean, it is, it, it's been... Everybody from, you know, where I had to live in some rough places in New York, I'm sure you get it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, I had neighbors, you know, older neighbors who just, um, like I said, shared their stories and lives, um, you know, and like I said, it, it's just hard for me to really kind of pinpoint one person or thing in particular, I, I do definitely recall being at the University of Chicago and um, going through the um, uh, not to go back to the affirmative action, but the stigma mm. that you are there for that, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, <laughs> which mm -hmm. I didn't even know. Like, I'm like, hey, I was always, you know, the best at what I did. I I didn't even understand that, you know, there was a belief. Yeah, any doubt. Yeah, that there was any <laughs> doubt that I belonged and mm. could be capable. And mm. but it it takes a toll. And I vividly recall um, Michelle Obama telling us, black women, you've got to learn how to sit down in your own house. Mm. And these were prescient words we know later because they sat down in the White House. Um, but yeah, and it was like, after that, wait a minute, everywhere I went, this is my house. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah. This I don't yeah. care where it is. You know, I, I this is my house too. Right. Um right. and and so that definitely um has always stuck with me and you know, I've had um you know, it was Sapphire, the author of Push, um, who actually is the one who told me to, you know, write upstate. And who, you know, I was going to write something different for my thesis, and I just told her the story. And she said, wait a minute, you know, that's what you need to write. You mm. were born to write that. My heart leaped out of my chest. And I didn't understand the concept of being born to write something. Wow. But now I do, in, in knowing that the characters are given to me. They're not something that I make and create. They're given to me, you know. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, that was like the first time that I, I realized being a vessel, you know, for uh, these voices and these stories and it churning those around my own experiences and views in order to make like something that people, um, can beyond me can get something out of um and so yeah i mean i've i've had you know friends i've had um you know a variety of people who just um you know drop these nuggets that you know i've learned to try to impart myself to other people because you never mm -hmm. know what what people are going through and and what they've been through where they're they're going to go and it was actually um Terry Williams, who taught me or told me, um, she wrote this b brilliant book called The Personal Touch, which I still love. I have that. Yeah, yeah. I know you do. Yeah, oh, yeah. Which it, and that came naturally me coming from this little small town where you could just knock on somebody's door and you know. So I didn't know anything but the personal touch. But of course, as you your world widens mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. gets bigger. Mm -hmm that can potentially break down into just, you know, your networking or your viewing people as stepping stones and ladders to maybe where you want to be instead of as actual human beings that you connect with. And um, it was actually Terry who, who said, you know, you respond to everybody because mm. you never know who people are, who they will be when they will return to your life, you mm. know? Um, and yeah, to, to, mm. to always, always respond to everything and everybody. And it uh, definitely can take a toll. And, you know, I, I think the higher up you are, you definitely need others to help you respond to other people. But um, I always remembered that and still to this day, you know, practice that. Right, right. And, Okay, I can't believe our time is almost over. Um, but what's next for you? Looking ahead, what's the next thing that you'll be doing, do you think? Well, the next thing that's going on is there's been, you know, a lot of talk and um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely writing another book, trying to finish it by the Good. end of the summer. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> uh, excellent. Yeah, it's like I've taken the summer to finish that. Um, and I've actually been um, teaching, found some a lot of joy in teaching um, uh, for a group called the Accent Society, which works with um, Chinese Americans and Chinese people overseas who uh, want to come to America and be writers, or they're already here and want to be writers. So I'm teaching there. Um, and then there's always, you know, the um, talk of, of work. I've, I've taken more matters and steps to um, 
do film. I've written screen, the screenplay to Upstate, which has been very well received in a variety of um, uh, ways, and you know that's a that's a huge undertaking. But we'll see what happens there, mm. and um, you know plays, and definitely uh, returning to New York and um, being active there. Uh, but you know, as I've definitely continued on, it, it's just for me to continue to write and to continue to create and to continue to you know spread messages you know that help other people to kind of you know overcome their own doubts their own insecurities and and fears which I still definitely have um, and so yeah it's just you know a variety okay. of things um, the new book is uh, talking about uh, is is dealing with it, I don't want to say it's I hate to use the word genre but mystery suspense okay. um, but once again, kind of dealing with black women and, and the dualities of our experiences and, um, you know, the, the element of striving for us. Um, so, yeah. Okay, cool. Anything else on your mind that you want to share since I got you here now or are we done? I could talk to you forever. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I mean, it's like I, I do talk to you, talk to you forever. And um, no, I mean, you know, nothing but how much, you know, I, I love this show and, you know, how much I love you and how much I am just definitely honored to given be in the company of these just incredible esteemed guests that you have had and you know once again in, in talking about how people uh, inspire you to you know watch you look back on all these people in your career and your path um, and to uplift them and uh, you know have these beautiful conversations with them it's just something that you know for me is super uh, inspiring and you know I, I, I learn a lot you know from uh, these conversations in this show and so yeah I really really love it and hope that um, you know we we you do many more I, I come back <laughs> uh, many 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 years from uh, now absolutely. <laughs> come back to Black Muse and you know, um, sit with the variety of black excellence ranging from the arts um, to, you know, culture to, um, you know, uh, literature, uh, that, that, you know, journalism um, that, that you have presented to America. You know, the, the theme and the tone of black excellence uh, is just one that I'm absolutely I'm here for it. <laughs> All right now. All right it. now. On that note, thank you very much for coming. You're and welcome. please click like and subscribe. <laughs> please click like and subscribe, y'all. Thank y'all. <laughs>